Welcome, friends, to Church of the Geek, a podcast where we examine the intersection of the comic and the divine, where the stained glass windows are all 4K and the bulletin has a gatefold cover. I am Brian Bennett, campus pastor from Pittsburgh, PA. Uh, and as always, my intrepid co-host is Sam Blair. Sam, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing quite well. I'm enjoying the uh, the nice, cool evening outside. It's ter- beautiful spring day today and enjoying the uh, the sunshine and now enjoying the, the nice, cool, cool evening. It, so. it has been glorious weather. Beautifully warm yes. days, cool nights. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, tonight we also have a guest with us, um, a uh, great friend of the podcast, uh, we have with us Will the Thrill from Chapel Hill. Will Rose, how are you tonight? I am doing fantastic. Thank you for having me back on the podcast. Really looking forward to our conversation tonight. And yeah, speaking of weather, we ate dinner out on our back deck outside before the mosquitoes come, and we actually saw some lightning bugs. That's what we call them in North Carolina, at least in this neck of the woods, and we saw a few dancing in the trees, so uh, it was pretty yeah. cool. Well, you're in North Carolina. The we're in Pittsburgh. Of spring we're, not, we're not really eating right. out on the deck well, yet, so yeah. up here. <laughs> I was going to say lightning right. bugs. We don't get them till what, July, June at least? June. does say yeah. June. Yeah, well, they, they're, they're already popping. They're already popping. So, you know, it's a sign of like a foreshadowing of our conversation about lightning and uh, thunder and uh, a storm brewing for, for our Apocalyptic visions of the future. Exactly. Yeah, tonight we are going to be uh, talking about the incredible piece, uh, Kingdom Come, by Mark Wade and Alex Ross. Uh, th- quite an epic this was one of those ones that when we we were working on our list of comics to do, it was surprising that this was not at the very top of our <laughs> right. list. And then we just kind of went, why, why <laughs> did we forget that? I think it was just, it's because it's so obvious. And it's so, it's almost like, you know, talking about sci-fi without necessarily talking about Star Wars. It's just there. And you assume that it's there for, ev- for everyone. So yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic uh, work. It's it's a real landmark, I think, in terms of uh, comic writing, comic artwork, and just a great story. I can't think of a bad thing about it. Yeah, kind of the title above the title is the greatest superhero epic of tomorrow, the greatest. And, and fun fact, uh, the first time I was ever on a podcast was Church of the Geek. And we talked about uh, the God Loves Geeks book club that I that I started in my church, and I was able to share that the first um, book that we talked about, the first thing we geeked out about at God Loves Geek, what what launched us as as a book club and a movement uh, was Kingdom Come. That was what we we pulled because of the obvious kind of scripture involved, but also the apocalyptic illusions and and all all the heroes all packed in one. So. Uh, it's cool to come back here and talk with you guys. That episode it. remains yeah. our most listened to episode. Um, and so and now, yeah. I mean, half of them are me going back and listening to it over and over. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the other 10 listens are you yeah. going back and listening the, um, to it. <laughs> no, but that's why I brought you on. Cause I remember like that was, that was part of your story. And uh, so I know this, yeah. this book has a special place for you. 
Um, and I, th- I figured you'd enjoy getting a chance to go back and listen, uh, read or reread it again, not listen to it again. It's a, it's a, it's a good book. So it's a fantastic book. I'll give a, let me give a, a little quick dramatic, uh, summary here for those who maybe read it a long time ago and aren't acquainted or need a, a re reacquainting with it. So, uh, the golden age of superheroes is over. The great heroes of the Justice League have gone their separate ways, and while some continue to try and right wrong in their own ways, the greatest of them, Superman, has abandoned humanity entirely. New heroes have risen up to take their place. However, these players care little about those they are supposedly protecting. Humans cower under their protectors as much as they do the villains they fight. Norman McKay, the pastor of a dying church, is losing hope and faith in the word that has sustained him for so long, as well as in the heroes of the past and present. When the heroes of the Justice League return to their former roles, McKay thinks this salvation has come at last. Will this hope lead to humanity's rescue or end? We follow as the specter taps McKay to witness the unfolding apocalypse and to render judgment at the end of it all. Dun, dun, dun. Of course, yes, you have to. Yeah, yeah, so good. I want to say too, I mean, I've always been a Marvel person and this, I think apart from Dark Knight Returns was, Dark Knight Returns was probably the first real DC comic I picked up and this Kingdom Come was the second. Mm. So I think those are probably to me just some of the most fantastic story arcs that came out of, of DC and yeah. And being a Marvel guy, I mean, I didn't know all of the characters in the backstory for, for a lot of them, but you don't really need to know all of them. It definitely helps, but you can, in today's day and age, you can, you know, look up and figure out some of who the characters are and so on with, you know, the internet is your friend in that way. But this isn't something that if you're a new reader that you feel like you have to know a lot of backstory, you know, a lot of history. If you know who the major players are in terms of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, uh, Shazam, then you can just jump right in and really get a lot out of it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's as long as you know, I, I would even say as long as you know the general gist of Batman, Wonder Woman and Superman, those three are the core right. And then, and then every everyone else, even even uh, Shazam, Captain Marvel, Shazam, uh, is let's not let's not go there. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I even brought it up. Even he is, in a sense, secondary. He, he it's a key role, but it's a it's it's secondary and later. So, because mm-hmm. all of the issues are, are focused on that. Can I ask a question, Sam? When you when you uh, when you picked it up, was it was it when it first came out in the nineties? Yes. Yeah. That's I, I have the individual copies, you know, so nice. So yeah, it's not the trade paperback. It's the, uh, it's the original. So I'm just curious now to what edition I even have, but anyway, go ahead. I think, um, I picked them up because of the way they sat, uh, on the, on the shelf at the, at the comic store. And because they're all painted by Alex Ross, like they were so Mm -hmm. striking and they were so incredibly different from everything else that was surrounding it. Um, I bought them when they were original too, but then I ended up selling my whole collection. Uh, and so now I'm just back with the trade paperback, oh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm a Marvel Marvel guy too. Grew up Marvel, but I also grew up on the Super Friends um, cartoon. Was a big Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman fan growing up. Even though I mostly collected Marvel comics, I, I still um, loved Batman and Superman, and Wonder Woman, and and I um, kind of kept up a little bit. I was in the in the '90s was when I took my hiatus from from collecting comics and I, I kind of kept my eye on things a little bit, but really didn't collect. So I had to pick it up in a, in a tray, but I do think I want to go back and find now that I am collecting comics again, and have been for a while, I would love to go back and get the original, find, find the original print first printing of these at some, uh, you know, um, some, some Comic-Con or back issue or somebody on eBay or something, try to find a good deal on those things. And I was Alex, did Alex Ross do anything before this? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure he, around that time he was probably, I mean, just the, the work in this, the art in this book is, is really just the, the cream of the crop of, of what you can do with a graphic novel. And I don't know if this, I know he's done a lot of work since then, but not sure. His did Marvel's before. come out before this or after this? It came out just yeah. before. I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page. It came out in '94, yeah. and okay. uh, Kingdom Come came out in '96. Yeah, right. So yeah, he was just just off of Marvels, really. Gotcha. Yeah, and I can. Um, and Mark Wade is is up there as you know in terms of the legendary mm-hmm. writers and creators mm-hmm. as well. I have a quick story of of when I met Mark Wade. One of the first Comic Cons I ever went to was Heroes Con in, in Charlotte. North Carolina. And, and, um, I was just geeking out going, combing the floor, looking the back issues, trying to find the creators and artists. And this is kind of when I was getting back into comics in like 2005 and, and six. So, um, I'm, I was like, Oh, there's this panel about like the future of, of comics. And I see Mark Wade's on leading the panel. I was like, cool, I'll go check out that. And I'm riding up the escalator and there's this guy beside me and I'm like, Hey, so are you, um, are you going to the Mark Wade panel? And he goes, he goes, uh, yeah, you could say oh. that. And I'm like, great. Yeah, I'm really, I said, I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> and, and so he just kind of nods off and we go into the, we both walk in the same thing. I go sit down and he walks up on stage. He's like, Hey, and he's sitting by the name Titus is smart. So he's like, Oh, okay. That's Mark Wade. I never knew what he looked like, but I did know, you know, his work and what he had done. But I was like, ah, oh, that's what Mark Wade looks like. And so and it was People just so, great. So, so now I just like, Hey, you're going to the Mark Wade. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I am. Um, I have another story later on down the road when, when Robert Kirkney asked me if I was a religious man. Um, but that's a story for we'll, a we'll bring whole another, another episode whole for that one. Well, <laughs> yeah, if we do a Robert Kirkman invincible, or, I, I, that's a funny story too. But, but during that panel, I just remember him being like, he wasn't like really salty or angry about it. He was just being so prophetic by saying like, look, all right, local comic book stores, all right, comic book fans, we need to get with it because the digital age, the, the digital comics are coming out. Individual prices are going up. We're going to we're going to push out if we're only catering to the older reader and not the younger kids. He was just like, look, we got to figure out a way to pass this on. The local comic book stores are going to are going to suffer. He, he was just speaking that almost like this book, you know, look, generations, we need to get our act together and make sure that we bridge the gap of how we do comics together and not let this get out of hand. So. I was just like, oh, okay. Um, I'm I'm listening to him, but but thinking of that story in this book and where it's taken off in terms of 
this generational battle or between the superheroes of yesteryear and the, the new breed of heroes and humanity caught between the two um, really played out as I was thinking of, of him at that time being, being pretty prophetic in his word. I, all I can think of, uh, Will, is that you gave him a moment probably of absolute joy, love, of a moment of anonymity, <laughs> and, and he got to see someone who was super thrilled and who didn't know at all like that it wasn't fanboying that you were just really right. excited and looking forward to it and yeah and i don't, I don't i've never been a stranger my kids are always like will do you have to talk to everybody but i'm like uh on the escalator i could have you know i just he i could tell he wasn't making eye contact he was just like oh gosh you know here's this guy and i was just like so you going to the panel yeah and he was like oh he doesn't know yeah. who i am <laughs> That could have been, I was like, oh, if he introduced himself, like, here, sign my book, sign this, sign that on the way in because you're not at your table with a line or anything. So, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. I, I think about that all the time. I, I so, witnessed something uh, similar once. Sorry, i just go aside here. But when I managed a camera store for a year outside of Philadelphia, and uh, one of the um, uh, a former pitcher for the for the Phillies on a World Series team would come in occasionally as a, as a customer, and we would talk to him. We had a new employee at one point. And he comes in and he, and, and he takes his film. This is back in the days before digital, right? You came in, you bring your film in, we develop it. Right. And, and uh, Tewksbury, he'd say, oh, he saw things. You know, that the Phillies had a picture of that name. How about that? And and the man, the manager and I just <laughs> sat there. We, we were across the store. We, our, our jaws were opening up and like, ah. Uh, and he was like, oh, yeah, he played it super cool. And a couple of days later, he came back in to pick up his pictures. And he was like, he says, I gotta tell you, he walked back up to that to that uh, to our uh, our employee, and he's like, "I gotta tell you, I, I am that guy, and you gave me the best thing." And I went down and I told uh, another Phillies player about this, and we had a great laugh. And it was so, that's why I'm saying you probably gave him a real a real moment of joy. Yeah, yeah, not even trying, not even trying, we gave him the joy. Great, it's great. Well, yeah, we're gonna fanboy for a moment over this book because. Um, Alex Ross's painting is so great. And and what what I really love about it is not broken into the standard grid. Like when you when you when you right. read this, there is a lot the action can be really off at different angles and keeps everything sort of off balance, which I think is intentional. I think that's the 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 scent uh the sense uh of uh, what uh Ross is doing here. We're, we're constantly off balance. It, like all the decisions that the superheroes make, right. Particularly Superman, they seem right, but they're not. Yeah. He's, he's wrestling with something. I, I think if you, if you're looking at a graphic novel, you don't get much better than this in terms of the writing, the epic scale, uh, the flow from page to page, the art, like you could, any, any one page, you could just stare at it and find the little details and the people and the buildings and the kinetic energy that's bursting from the page. Like, you, you know, in terms of, of, of a graphic novel, if, if somebody's like, aren't, aren't like comic books, just like funny books for kids. And you're like, here, let me put right. this in your hands. And you tell me if this right. is like, just like some funny book for kids. Like it mm -hmm. is, it is an incredible piece of art um that that tells an incredible story and even if you don't know all the history of the multiverse of the dc universe you this will is a clear story from beginning to end and and we'll have you grip to see what happens next when you turn the page 
And there's so much that it covers in terms of themes and material. I mean, not just the artwork and the story, but in terms of what it the, the scope of what it covers and where it draws from. I mean, obviously, just from the title, it draws from scripture and it very intentionally draws from scripture. I mean, every issue is prefaced with um, uh, some verses from from Re- Revelation. And there's this, it, the, this sense of the unfolding of visions before before you and before the characters and the themes that are being dealt with are very big themes like justice and our responsibility to each other and themes about how do we relate to those in power and you know really important questions that he raises yeah i mean it's it's biblical it's um, mythical. I mean, it's just like the wide yeah. breadth of like any, you know, whether you could replace these heroes with, you know, Zeus or Odin or others or or any kind of religion in terms of wrestling with um, what's the nature of a hero, what's the nature of, of God or the gods and where's humanity stand in the shadow of or belittled or... Um, there's one point in here where there's this, you know, this conflict and tension between the new breed and then the old school, older generation of heroes have retired or stepped aside. And and at one point you you notice that the 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 main character, um, the pastor, says, or or maybe maybe it's one of the panels talks about how the Olympics and the World Series, talking of baseball, going back to Brian's um uh, picture story that that they're canceled because they're no longer needed. Humans, what that humans do are are belittled or canceled. So, um, what is it? The uh, I think they were saying um, humans. Yeah, I can't find it. But anyway, it, it was just kind of <laughs> like uh, where are humans caught in the mix of of this fallout between the generations of gods and villains and heroes. Mm-hmm. And there's this sense that the humans that that people really have have belittled and sort of mocked the the heroes of old you know with this instead of planet hollywood they have planet krypton where the <laughs> the, the hosts and hostesses are all you know dressed <laughs> in the very stereotypical costumes from from comics you know that you know there's the the green the green lantern you know with handing out menus and you know saying greeting yeah. citizen and you know talking <laughs> like that and so it you know that it's kind of making a, a point of how people, you, you know, mock even even today, you know, mock those in, in authority and and how there's a tendency to want to deride uh, heroes and, and tear them down to a certain degree. Yeah, kind of Hard Rock Cafe was pretty popular in the 90s. So Mark Way just kind of. Re, re, maybe it's still popular. Yeah. I don't know. Hard Rock Cafe, I don't know if it's popular or not. But yeah, the Planet Krypton is a Hard Rock Cafe of, of the day. I, I found it was like humans were caught in the in the midst of this this battle of, of heroes. And it said like old, old heroes inspire human achievement, not belittle or cancel it. Uh, so again, you see with this, like I thought of like the, the whole OK Boomer mo- movement or the, the gap or the battle between boomers versus millennials and where I don't know where Gen X fits and all those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, you know, there's kind of generational tension of what is your place? What are you doing in society? And what do you bring to society? 
And that that's really interesting that you that you brought that up in terms of the, the generational aspect of it because it wasn't something I necessarily thought about. But you you know one of the the tensions is between the old heroes and the new heroes. I mean the the and the the new villains is that you know they're critiquing the heroes like Superman and Green Lantern and so on, saying well where you know they're coming down from on high and telling us how to do things. Well, well where were you when you had to take out the hmm. the you know these these bad guys and there's the one uh villain uh magog who ends up killing the joker because batman was never able to do it and he's like and they made me do it and this you know you weren't the one to do it so i had to do it and so this is the blood that's on my hands and so there's that criticism of the the newer generation criticizing the old for kind of not keeping up with the times and being absent. Meanwhile, the older right. generation is, is, is critiquing the new for not being like them. Yeah. And, and that being said, you know, you revealing that the, that Magog killed, killed the Joker. This is an Elseworlds story. So it's kind of right. like DC's version of what if it's like a futuristic story, but DC put out these books uh, called Elseworlds where they're just kind of explored an alternate timeline of what things could be like uh, in the future. And um, it really creates kind of a, a great canvas to let the the artist and the writer to kind of create out of their imagination of what things could be like without like kind of setting it in within the canon of the whole universe. You can really kind of get creative and do certain things. They do a lot of moves in this book that, that really help. I, I love what if stories. I love what uh, else world stories, because it does kind of open up the world, what possibly could happen in the future. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I think there's a, in the, the generational conflict, I think is rooted um, not just in, in generations, but in how you determine a morality, right? I, I think that the that the newer generation is, in some ways, very much of the of a of a postmodern existence. In so far as they do what they want, and morality is very fluid, right? Because I, I feel at the end, there's there's a bit where um, I can't remember who says it, but it says to to Superman, uh, "Oh, it's it's uh, it's the witness, right? You, that uh, Norman McKay, the pastor, who goes, you are all about guessing right and wrong." Right, all of your decisions were, were, were spot on, and now it's more difficult. And I think that speaks in some ways to our generational aspect of of dealing with postmodernism, mm-hmm. where it does feel like there is a relativism in morality, um, and what you think is right isn't what I think is right, and how we di- how we move through that, and what does that look like? Um, and I think that's at the heart of the conflict uh, throughout this, because you, you have different camps. You've got Superman's camp, who has a very clear, you got to do it this way and and the right way, and mm-hmm. and the division that happens in that between between uh, Superman and Wonder Woman. You got mm-hmm. Batman yeah. doing it his way, and when he gets criticized by uh, Superman, Batman says, "I'd rather you know they're going to fear me before they trust you," um, and he's ha- he's fine with that. <laughs> uh, you've got the the what is it, Mankind Liberation Front? Was that what it was? Uh, with Basically, all of the villains, Lex Luth, headed by Lex Luthor, they're making decisions about what they think is right for humanity, and then, and then, just as to be the the human vi- uh, face uh, of it all, uh, is the United Nations. They have a whole lot more power in that world than the United Nations does mm-hmm. now, but uh, still, they sort of collectively represent humanity. Yeah, and somehow, yeah, somehow they've they've uh, got access to nuclear weapons. 
<laughs> yeah, and I think the storytelling device of Pastor Norman McKay that you made at the beginning um, and the transition is almost like, um, you know, a, a Christmas carol where, you know, a spirit specter mm-hmm. come yep. and guides and lets mm-hmm. them see these different windows of reality all the way through and um, gives us, we get to walk along and see through his, as, in, and as Brian shared too, that, that it's similar to, um, you know, the... Uh, St. John uh, of the Apocalypse that has led and to see these different visions along the way that, biblically. So you have Christmas Carol in the book of Revelation, but there mm-hmm. at the beginning you have Pastor Norman who's preaching to a pretty thinned out church with the mostly older generation. And I think pastors these days can of uh, kind of mainline Protestant and rural areas can look out in their congregation and see this is in and out and mostly an older generation. What do we do with that? And how do we bring hope? And most churches are like, oh, pastor or or youth director, if you could just get some young mm-hmm. people in here, that would be great. That's going to save us. And so, uh, but but when you bring in those young people, they're going to bring in new yeah. ideas. They're going to bring in a different way of looking, a different way of looking morality. So we need a new generation of hero. Well, you got them. Well, that, that pushes the old heroes to the margins and, and now they're running the show and humanity's caught in the middle. So I, I, this analogy of, I guess, being a parish pastor and thinking through this guy, looking through his eyes at the at the, the heroes and the generations of the heroes and where is humanity and all of it. Well, it hit me at a different point as we are now still in a pandemic. We can't meet together. <laughs> I, I, I look at this from a different set of eyes than I did, you know, a decade ago. And part of the real brilliance here in the writing, and I think it's interesting in how similar this is to Marvel's, even though it has two different writers in that they're both told from the point of view of an everyman. And this story could be told really without Norman, Norman McKay in it. But the way it's told with Norman McKay as this witness being led through this, this tableau and this, this uh, you know, these series of visions and through time and space and, and so on really does add a lot to it. And it really brings you in as, as a reader and kind of shows you what the stakes are. I think brings it back down to a human level so that you can, you're the person also wrestling with all these questions. He's not just the witness, right? He's the witness. He's also the guide because remember the specter follows his, his visions, right? They don't, Mm -hmm. the specter doesn't lead him to places to see the specter is with him all along. And then Norman is the one who has to judge at the end. And, Mm -hmm. and I think again, we're back to right and wrong. And I couldn't help but think there's a, there's a bit in Bart um, where he talks about that the, our very notion of, of, of ethics, right. Which we typically think of as deciding between right and wrong actions uh, is is in and of itself the original sin, right? People, Adam and Eve eat of the the uh, the fruit of the tree of good and evil, mm-hmm. of the knowledge of good and evil. And so the very that very act is in and of itself uh, determining what you think is right and what you think is wrong, which is what each and every all of those groups do. That is that is sin in and of itself, right? To to make that you put yourself in God's place, determining what is right and what is wrong. And I mm-hmm. always found that really compelling to think about that, which. In the end, none none of them are right. They're all wrong. I mean, they're all right, and they're all all of their decisions. You get it. It makes sense. They're compelling. Maybe maybe not Mankind Liberation Front, but you know, <laughs> you could, you could see the different perspectives. Yeah, 
Yeah, again, Mark Mark Wade knows these characters and and the, and what he's bringing and kind of their character is is so good. But I think Pastor Norman there asks the the questions that we're asking or or should ask. You know, what? Wait a minute, where's the hope? What is this person doing? What? How how can this be happening? What happens next? I mean, there he's asking the questions along the way um, that that are important to help us kind of illumine what's going on in the story, but also hopefully what we're asking along the way too, when we wrestle with the big questions. I mean, again, this graphic novel is not just uh, entertainment, but hopefully it's pushing us to think through the bigger questions of, of justice and, and what that looks like and what makes a hero, what makes a villain and how do our, what how our actions make a difference in the world. Um, uh, we put ourselves in the story. We're asking those questions of where, what, you know, as a kid, I'm like, what, what superhero would I want to be the most? And as you read this, you're kind of like, man, I don't know if I want to be any of these, mm-hmm. these, <laughs> but, but it wrestles with what, what, if I had that, if I had that gift, what would I do with it um, in the world that we live in? And, and something great about Norman uh, McKay at the end of the book, not, not only does he, is he's called to act as judge, over over Superman and the everything that's happened, but in the end he comes out very much as a pastor, mm-hmm. and yep. he 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 becomes he becomes a, a pastor in the sense of the word as as a shepherd and a comforter to Superman who is just on a hair's hair's edge of tearing down the UN and just having his revenge on humanity, and he's going and he brings it down to you know, the matters of, of forgiveness, forgiving himself for all the things that he did do, all the things he didn't do. And it's a really compelling, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think until you said that, like almost like Moses talking down God's wrath or Abraham talking down Yahweh's wrath. You know, what what is that, you know, what is the 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 human going, all right, you're on edge here and you're fed up. What, mm-hmm. what is this appeal of intercession is going on in, in terms of, of humanity uh, and what part that played. I'm again, as we're reading this book, all the, the Snyder cut came out. So, you know, watch the justice league. I'm rewatching man of steel and I'm seeing these portrayals of these heroes and their character. And in light of what, what Wade and Ross did here in this book. And, and there's some similarities there and kind of else worlds. If you think of the Snyder cuts as an else worlds of, of what you could do with the justice league, all that's there of, what do we do with this and how do we work together as a team or not? Um, and the tensions even between the heroes that are on the same team trying to work through, how do we do this? And I mm-hmm. think about us in our world, like my, my team and my church, we're trying to make, do make the best choices and there's tension there. What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? Maybe we should do this. Maybe we should do that. It's, I love that teamwork aspect too. So uh, yeah, it's, it's not all like better roses. There's some real tension and struggle there on, on every single level of, of how we do life. But that's the difference, right, Will, is that you're struggling with it together. You're not coming yep. in and saying, here's how it is going to go. I mean, maybe, I'm sorry, maybe you are, Will. I know you. Maybe that, maybe that is your style. That's usually not my oh, leadership that's not your style, style, but, uh, but no. yeah. Usually. Usually. No. Usually. Yeah. yeah. No, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> in the end, I think that's the, that's the big lesson that they learn. The soup, the, uh, the metahumans can't, mm act as if the humans don't exist. The humans have to be part of the the regular conversation about what's going on, how things happen. And, mm. you know, at the, at the end there. So I think, I think that's really important for today because we've 
as polarized as we are, like there's a there's a place for us to right. it's not just one group going, oh, we have to do this. Oh no, we've got to do that, and the and that's why we have all of these clashes. But the uh, perhaps it is an indictment when you know when we don't listen to our African American neighbors who talk about the violence that they experience on a daily basis, and said no 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 we're right mm. the America is the great right so like there are so many ways that we ignore other people and we minimize people to be in that in this case the human mode when we put ourselves in the metahuman mode that's right that was a big thing for me as or, I or turn to the news channel the news channel that agrees with me most and i'll keep yeah. watching that one mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, it's like, uh, you know and yeah in these camps you know these hero camps and villain camps you know what's, that's, a, that's a good way yeah, to is, say is, it well hero camps and villain camps yeah is what we have that's what we create in the world yeah no, no, no. And then, and what brings him out of this is this pastor who's really trying to looking out amongst uh, not only those in his church uh, that has a lot of empty pews in it, but when he walks out on the street and sees people running for their lives and the the meta the meta um, here meta humans and the gods above them battling it out um, uh, without any regard to those below them. Mm-hmm. So, who, who's caught in the middle between between that? Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned about that, that these are sort of, it's often portrayed in the, in the book as that these are, are gods battling above mm-hmm, yeah. men. And you see that it, one of the things that I thought about that I hadn't thought about before was how, how this almost seems like, like a Greek pantheon of gods that are, are jealous and petty and fighting amongst one another and sort of doing what they want to the world without being affected by humanity at all. And I think, I think you, one of the things that you see and, and is brought out in the book too, is that, you know, the heroes like, like Superman and, and uh, even Green Lantern and, and the flash and so on, the more distant and withdrawn they become from the people that they protect and live with the more, the more godlike they they become, the less human they become, and it's that humanity in the end that really allows them to make better choices about right and wrong. It's it's not their godliness that allows them to make those good choices. It, it's their humanity that actually feeds those choices, and oh, godliness I- not in the not in the way of speaking it like in a Christian way, but their godliness in terms of being over and above. Yeah. What were we going to say, Brian? No, I was just wondering. I wonder if this was an influence, right? You remember in Age of Ultron when uh, uh, mm-hmm. they end up back at uh, Clint's uh, farmhouse, and uh, his wife Laura is like, uh, "You don't think I? You don't think they need me?" She's like, "No, I think they really need you because precisely <laughs> because of his humanity. That that's mm-hmm. a that's a huge issue there. They most of them aren't aren't and- in touch with what does it mean for the everyday." Joe and Josephine to to uh, walk around and have to deal with consequences, you know. Mm-hmm. So I th- I think that's the really important, or that is a, that is one of the takeaways for me. Like, and even even the Spectre refers to Norman McKay as as the anchor, mm-hmm. and he he needs him. It's not just that he's taking Norman to to see all these things. It's that he in some way. You know, he anchors himself to a person who is seeking judgment, and that informs his own 
his own decision. And it, in, in the end, it's Norman that even confronts the specter that says, we need to do something about this at the end. Your Superman's going to kill everybody. Yeah. Again, not, I can't got, I can't gush any more than I already do on this book, but like <laughs> for, for any, for any character in the DC universe, every character has this moment. I mean, from like the big three of Superman, Batman or Wonder Woman to, um, to like dead man. Yeah. And like, uh, <laughs> you know, like, uh, the, these kind of C or D list characters show up and have these kind of cool moments along the way um, that that really kind of touch at what's going, what's what's happening happening with the story and and it is it is a little jarring to see them as older, even see Bruce Wayne as kind of just literally an an old man in his in his kind of exoskeleton because his joints and hips are so out of whack. And that's probably a callback to dark Knight returns anyway, too. Right. Like they're mm-hmm. pulling from, from that universe, but um, wonder woman's a little older, you know, and if it had this, you know, Superman's had this temper tantrum to cause, okay, fine. Then I'm gonna go do my own thing. And, and it's a 10 year gap. He's been gone for a decade and people are like wondering where he is or what's going to happen. And, and, you know, he, he comes back, it's pretty dramatic um, entrance, great splash page, great art. But um, yeah, that, that turn, what, what, if we're, if we're disillusioned by the world or disillusioned by religion or politics or whatever, we, we abandon or isolate ourselves, go into exile, what, what would pull us back in? What are the things? Mm-hmm. Is it, is it friends? Is it community? I think of the community and friendship among them that they're pleading to bring in. What, what is it that pulls us back in to the game uh, per se? Um, you know, we're all pretty isolated now or getting, getting pulled back in or, or opening things back up. But what is, what is our disillusionment? What is our deconstruction? And then what, how does that be, how does that rebuild and, and what happens to bring us back in? Um, those are some of the questions too, as I was reading this and thinking about the own communities that I shepherd and the circles I run in. Yeah, those are great questions, especially the idea about what's what's keeping you in the game, because I know that that question is one that so many Christians are asking right now, because it's it's been a real the the past four years have been a real uh, reckoning for parts of the American church. It's really mm-hmm. been, been a challenge to for some to see, you know, is what's what's keeping me in in, in the in the game and in the pew here. Yep. Let, let, let's cut to the climax here, right? Which because the the place where the um, there is an all out metahuman civil war going on, Superman's side is going against the the villains, right? Because Superman, if if folks don't get on board, right, and they continue their bad ways, he throws them into he has a gulag, a super powered gulag <laughs> that holds them. Except they start to riot, they break out. Superman and his crew go down and Wonder Woman's Wonder Woman's ready to to uh, take people out, which is mm-hmm. a, is a rift mm-hmm. between her and, and Superman. And again, right. We talked about this back when we did that uh, Gail Simone uh, Rise of the Olympian thread, Sam. But there was her armor again. I was like, oh, look, there's the armor again. Oh, oh look, she flies. <laughs> right. OK. She's one of my favorite characters right? because she was in a lot of ways a very pragmatist. This is what what we need to do. Yeah, uh, it's got to be done, and we talked about that too in that uh, in that episode as well. But it's not their side isn't enough, and then Batman's crew has finally come around, and they're going to help him out. So they're like the 
the cavalry coming to the to the rescue. And while all of them are in one place, the UN sends three nuclear bombs at them. Two of them get taken out. One gets through. And so mm-hmm. here comes Shazam. Right. Shazam was just completely trashing Superman all over the place. And finally, this is this is the key moment when he talks about are they gods or are they humans? Well, what does he say? What does Superman say to, to Shazam? He he's both. He he's the bridge. He's the bridge. We have that incarnational moment. And if that's if that is not a <laughs> if that is not uh sort of big finger pointing like to our notions of Jesus, <laughs> mm-hmm. like I don't know what else is, man. That was a great right. it's a great moment. Well, I think with it yeah. is. I think the Elseworlds books and these what ifs, you know, the, the, we think of it, well, who would win in a fight between and fill yeah. in the blake, right? So, so you have like Shazam, which in this book is called Captain Marvel. Again, we won't get into this because of like <laughs> legal things with Marvel and DC, but they call him Captain Lightning. They call him Captain Marvel. He's, he's Shazam. Um, but, but there is this epic climactic, this build up and tension, like who's going to take out Superman where there's only one person who can really go toe to toe with, with Superman. And this is Shazam. And, and they have just an epic, epic battle um, in the midst of all this. And then, but then they have this genuine moment of like, remember who you are, yeah. remember your identity. Yeah. Uh, you're not brainwashed by Lex Luthor. You don't have to do these things. Who, who are you really? And it's in that remembrance of his identity that really he sacrifices himself um, for, for everyone. And, and there, there's, there's casualties. I mean, there's right. a, a lot of, a lot of people have, have and, I, and I hate, you know, same way in our own, in our own reality of it, I hate that it takes a catastrophe to, to wake people up or, or, um, or a riot or, uh, or um, a, a black man being killed on the street, being videotaped to wake people up from, from systemic racism or mm-hmm. a pandemic to wake up, wake us up to think through, um, what healthcare is like and how to take care of my neighbor, but it takes those kinds of things that uh, really shake us from complacency. And so here, this is building to this ultimate explosion, literally, and that wakes a lot of people up or, or really goes hand to head. So I think, yeah, this uh, Billy Batson and uh, goes back and forth. He said he says Shazam. I don't. I didn't count how many times he said it. Is it seven? I don't know. Is it biblical number seven? I don't know. I but he says but a number I, I of wonder, times. I wonder if that's it. <laughs> How many times did he say it? Or, um, but, but yeah, he goes back and forth, back and forth between these two roles because he really wants to just electrocute um, Superman to take him down. But, but yeah, in the end, he's the one who reaches up and and sacrifices himself for the sake of of the world or humanity and both God metahuman and human alike he says it three times ah there you go there's 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 more than that i mean throughout the whole battle (laughs) to to blow oh and and the whole battle yeah but i'm just looking at the last yeah 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 yeah. when he Mm -hmm. when he he detonates the bomb right right yeah there yeah Yeah, there's like the that that sequence where he's just saying shazam over and over again and just pummeling superman with it each time yeah right which I think they did that in the movie. I think Shazam did that in the movie a few times too. So that was kind of cool. I don't know if they're drawn from that, but it, was, it seems like a natural thing to do. But yeah, that that battle was good. But I think I think you're right. What that incarnational? It is. It is. You can you can insert your mythology 
anywhere in the book or religion, you know, you know, but it's, it's, you know, again, but they're, they're, they lift up Ragnarok. So they're looking at, um, you know, Norse mythology, but then Armageddon is straight out of revelation, this final battle. And they, they go to it and, and it's pretty on the nose with this incarnational identity of, of Shazam. And of course, I think we would be a little bit remiss to, uh, to think about how we're reading this, during Holy Week, mm, right yeah. now, Holy Week 2020, and how... Holy 2021 is very 2021, similar. Yeah, it is very, very similar. similar. <laughs> it is still 2020 in, in many people's calendars. Eggs, it's right. like, what, March 354 or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, how, how important that, that notion of Jesus' sacrifice as not only you know sub being salvific but primarily a, a means of, of compassion as well and joining in our our humanity and not standing standing above it in a in a godlike way but joining in our suffering and our uh our humanity uh and and dying in that way to uh empty himself from from that i think is an important way to or an yeah. interesting way to think about, you know, that in this, in this context. Yeah. Power from the margins, power from the bottom up, not top down, uh, is, is kind of, yeah. Where we, where does that power come from? Humility come from sacrifice come from, is it from, from top down, um, lowering it over or is it from, from the bottom up? Uh, mm-hmm. I think that, that, uh, when you say empty himself, right, that's clearly the Philippians too, right? That that hymn in the beginning of, of mm-hmm. uh, in Philippians two that that's actually for us that was a that was an appointed reading for uh, this past Sunday that's that's how we kick off Palm Sunday that's one of the readings not that most folks really read it because the, the passion narrative in and of itself is usually long enough to take <laughs> that out but that's a I think that's a that's a key place for us to to place orient ourselves for Holy Week that how how mm. Christ empties himself. And that's a, I think that's a call for us all, right? Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. He empties himself, that kenosis aspect of, mm-hmm. of the creation that goes back, I think goes back also to that same bit about right and wrong. And it's my way, not your way. And wait, nope, stop. Take a moment. Listen, think about what our neighbors are saying through stuff. Don't, don't put yourself in the highest position. If we're not caring for the, for, for those who are less powerful than we are, are we really living into our identity? Mm-hmm. You know, it makes me wonder, like, I don't know Mark, Mark Wade's religious background, if you grew up in the church or not, but I, I, I do like the portrayal of this, of this pastor, uh, that, that it is, it's not, you know, it's not a straw man or a stereotype or just kind of uses it, but you really see their humanity wrestling with how to be a leader, how he's going to take care of his flock. He, he, what, what kind of visions are coming to him and what's, what's next one asking the big questions. I, I love that. And then, and then there, then, like you said, like he, he's comes at a part of asking those questions. What, what is, what is sacrifice? What does it mean? What does justice mean? That I think um, I really, I really like how this pastor is portrayed in, in the book. Mm-hmm. You, you know, uh, I don't know if in the back of the trade paperback, right. There's the bit that 
Alex Ross used his dad as the model, and his dad is a his dad is um, a master. Oh, Alex, Alex Ross. Ross's dad, yeah, his, his dad's name is uh, Clark huh. Norman Ross. Okay, there you go. For for That's Alex, perfect. the part of yep. this was um, paying homage to uh, pastors. I don't know. I don't know about Mark Wade, but it definitely right. held a really important place for Alex. And it certainly could have informed Mark Wade yeah. in terms of their collaboration and even in terms right. of the writing. So it might be better if you did this instead, Mark, right? or, you know, whatever. I don't know. I, yes, don't, know exactly. that, I don't know how it went. But. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely that collaborative um, aspect of, of creating a comic or, or a graphic novel. You hope that communication is happening. You don't see how you couldn't going back and forth. Um, yeah. Yeah. Some amazing, amazing, amazing art in this, like just in terms of splash mm-hmm. pages. And then, you know, I love at the beginning of the book, they're introducing these characters and you see where they are. And then they ask, where is, where is Batman or Bruce Wayne? And then there's these series of like silent panels of these like drone, like, Robo bats that are that are keeping the city under control, and he's like, "Up, oh, don't worry, Batman's got his city under control." <laughs> uh, and yeah, and, and how these how they are introduced is uh, is really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's a it's a great it's a great work. So we re- we re- we uh, recommend this book to folks. As well oh, very as highly. Okay. <laughs> And if you're going to start a, a God Loves Geeks book club, or if you're going to, if you want to say, "Hey, at my comic store, I want to do a, a graphic," this is this is one to the start start one. This is a great place to start. Of course, it doesn't have to be overt, really religious like this one is to do it to find those themes, but they're definitely there for you. That's as easy, uh, low hanging fruit for. For if you want to do a little bit of philosophy, theology, and graphic novels and justice and all that goes in, this is definitely one one to grab for sure. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, and I think there is a great place we're just going to bring it to a close. Uh, well, thank you so much for um, being with us. Yeah, greatly, greatly appreciate it. Glad to be back. And uh, we'll hopefully do it again. And, and uh, hope everyone has a blessed Holy Week and Passover. and. Um, yeah, keep asking those big questions. What? How can we be a? How can we be a hero in our daily lives? What gifts do we have? Awesome, very good. Sam, we haven't talked about what we're doing next. No, we haven't. It's going to be a surprise. It is going to be a surprise. Surprise to us, probably. Absolutely, we're going to have to figure that one out. But um, <laughs> it's Holy Week. I'm just call, I'm just saying it, which is Holy Week. Like the fact that we were even able to do this and record this and. Get this out. Uh, actually, it's going to drop on Good Friday. Oh, there you yeah. go. Mm-hmm. But all right. Yeah, kingdom I think, I think you should get, a, should get a pass. Yeah. <laughs> the kingdom will come on Good Friday. Nice. That leaves us to our uh, regular question. What are you geeking out about? Will, what are you geeking out about? I mean, I, I um, you know, I'm getting my, my steady steady weekly comics but i think i think i'm i'm really geeking out all this dropping on online like i i enjoyed watching the snyder cut i enjoyed um i'm enjoying invincible on amazon prime if you haven't read oh that is that out already by robert kirkman it's, oh i missed yeah that. the animated yeah, version okay. yeah it just came out it's it's really good. I mean, it's it's not it's not for not for kids. It's pretty <laughs> it's pretty hardcore, pretty pretty rated R. But it's um, 
but it's, it's good in terms of exploring what is a what is a hero and and the learning curve of what it how we grow into being a hero at Kirkman's hitting all the all the sweet spots with that and then and then looking forward to maybe is it tomorrow that um well we're recording this but I think this week is when Godzilla versus Kong That's comes right. out on right. mm-hmm. my HBO Max. There's a lot of stuff hitting that I'm I'm enjoying and and watching. So that's what I'm geeking out on. Good time to be a geek for for the the viewing eyes for sure. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Sam, how about you? What are you geeking out about? Well, we'll mentioned uh, Godzilla versus Kong. That's one of the things I'm kind of geeking out about. I think that actually drops. T- I mean, today's the 30th. I think it drops tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. right. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I went and uh, I sat my my youngest son down because he hadn't seen Godzilla the not like the old, old ones, obviously, but he had the, the newer one that came out that's kind of start rebooted the franchise. The 2014 So we sat one? down and watched that. Yeah, the 2014 mm-hmm. one. And uh, yeah, I kind of forgot how kind of not good it was. <laughs> <laughs> it had it was, so much potential. It yeah. almost got there. It almost got there. Was, it, there was a, there's a, a, a series I watch on YouTube called where it's uh, on Screen Rant called Pitch Meetings. And there's oh, this, yeah. this guy so that funny. does these pitch meetings to himself. And the one for Godzilla is great because it's like, it's like oh, so you're going you're gonna to show Godzilla, right? It's like, no, it's, he's just going to be in shadow. We're going to show that he might be doing something. But every time he's going to fight something, he's gonna, we're going to cut away. It's like, oh, that's great for a monster movie. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, but um, so there's that I'm looking forward to. And then I, I uh, picked up a bunch of uh, graphic novels from the library is the kind of bit of bit of research, some ones that I had read before and uh, just thinking about maybe doing for the podcast. The one I picked up was uh, Day Tripper by I'm going to completely destroy uh, Gabriel Ba's name. I think it's it's Gabriel Ba, but um, and his brother uh, Fabio Moon who did the Umbrella Academy, did a, a, a graphic novel called Day Tripper about a, a man who writes obituaries professionally. And that's what his his father did. And I just got started with it. And I'm in the first, I got finished the first chapter and he's already dead. So I'm trying to figure out how, you know, where do we go from here? So it's a great yeah. book. We did that when God Loves Geek uh, a little while back too. And it's, um, Fantastic book, great art. Yeah, as well. it seemed as uh, the the art just immediately. If you're into the Umbrella Academy, it just it's immediately just just catches you. And uh, yeah, it looks like it's going to be like a very interesting story on uh, touches on issues of mortality and all kinds of stuff like that. So awesome. And you, Brian, what are you geeking out about? Look, all I can geek out about right now is our brand new logo. Woohoo! Ah, yeah, that's I good. love it so much. And that's all on you, Sam, because you're uh, you you well, you are related to the to to the artist who did this. Yes, and I will. It, uh, Corey Brown, my uh, my sister in law, who is a uh, one time freelance graphic artist and now works uh, doing some you know work for work doing similar things in her church and web web design and so on. Um, I asked her, "Is like, hey, this is kind of our logo. Can you?" what would you do like this? And she popped something out. This was the, the second one she came out with. The first one was almost exactly like what we have. And we just kind of, I just said, could you try this? And you're like, yep. Popped it out. And it was like, this is perfect. And, <laughs> uh, she's a geek herself. She really loves, uh, 
comics. And so this was, she, she said it was a real fun project for her getting to, to play around with the imagery and so on. So, uh, yeah, she's, yeah, right now that's what I'm just geeking out about. I'm so, it's so, it's so good. It's so good. And now I promise you there, there's going to be stickers because it's, it's perfect. <laughs> if, uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out. We, we have it on our Twitter. We've got it on our Facebook. It's everywhere right now for us. Cause that's our new logo. Coffee mugs, man, do a coffee oh, mug. I will drink my coffee out of that. Will, I will drink my coffee that out of is that. So good. Maybe that's one we would use maybe with the colored uh, logo, the, the, yeah. the words instead yeah. of. And it's my that idea. So I get one for well. free. It's my idea. So I get one for free. Give them to me. I don't. <laughs> dang. How did we, man, we, I got suckered into that one, Sam. <laughs> yep. See, <laughs> We'll even autograph it for you, Will. All right. Oh, I love that. Sharpie well, actually, that thing up. Here, here's an idea. You know, if you if you support us on Ko-Fi. 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 <laughs> you know, maybe we'll have a little tier of support where we'll we'll sign a mug for you. There you go, man. Yeah, you're taking Sam taking my idea and run with it. He's going to get one for free because he's just oh, up no, to level. Man, I got to come up with an idea so I get one for free. Oh, man. <laughs> so far behind so you don't have to autograph each one part of the design is it looks like so one side of the coffee mug is the logo on the other side is like the imprinted sharpie or signature that looked like you signed it but it's really a part mm. of the mug itself so that that's your all right so again will thanks for being here uh what a great book to have a conversation around uh, definitely would recommend uh, if you if you want to read this and get together with some folks that this is a great this is a great book to do that. If you want to talk about uh, comic book, graphic novels, and theology, oh, there's so much here. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. This uh, you can find us uh, and interact with us on Twitter at Geek Church, Church of the Geek on Facebook, and geekchurch.blogspot.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you get a chance, please, it would be super helpful to uh, share us, to like and review us uh, on whatever platform you are, uh, uh, you find us. It helps get the word out. That would be fantastic. And if you are so moved, drop a, uh, a little bit of uh, support your way. If they find that this is good on Kofi.com slash Church of the Geek, we would uh, be very appreciative. Everyone, this is Holy Week. This is when this drops. This is Good Friday. We pray that not only has your Lent been uh, holy, but that uh, this week is blessed for you, uh, particularly as we move into the joy of Easter. So, uh, as always, uh, trust in God, wash your hands, wear a mask, and geek be with you. And also with you. <laughs>